the framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is the conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Arlen Hamilton is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, and or LGBT. Starting from scratch in 2015, Backstage has now raised more than $12 million and invested in more than 150 startup companies led by underestimated founders. In 2018, they launched a four-city accelerator program in Los Angeles, Detroit, Philadelphia, and London. Arlen is the author of It's About Damn Time, an inspirational and tactical business book for budding entrepreneurs and aspiring investors. She hosts the popular podcast, Your First Million and has been featured on CNN, PBS, and others, and in 2019 became the first Black woman to have an entirely devoted episode of Emily Chang's Bloomberg 1.0. In October 2018, Arlen was featured on the cover of Fast Company magazine as the first Black woman non-celebrity to do so, following Oprah, Serena, and Beyonce. In 2019, Arlen and her mother, Mrs. Erline Butler Sims, announced their new scholarship program, which kicked off with Oxford University's first ever undergraduate scholarship for a Black student, as well as a commitment to fund a full-ride scholarship for a psychology student at Mrs. Sims' alma mater, HBCU Dillard University. Little note, Arlen's favorite TV show is General Hospital, and her favorite musician is Janet Jackson. So in preparation for this interview today, I rocked out to a little bit of Janet Jackson just to get myself in the mood. And today, you get to hear from Arlen. Hello, Arlen Hamilton, and welcome to Culture Factor 2.0. Thank you for having me. Um, On our podcast, um, on mine specifically, I really, it's important to me to feature female voices. I don't think it's done enough. And, um, I think that that is also behind a lot of the work that you do. Um, I believe when women can see themselves, um, in, uh, magazines on covers, when they can hear themselves on podcasts, they see themselves in other women. And I think that's really important. So in your book, you are asked to speak at a Forbes event 
and you were mistaken as a maid while you were leaving your room in the hotel. Can you share why being on the cover of a magazine matters? <laughs> yeah, and I was on a cover of a magazine when that happened, which was insane, right? Uh, that was Fast Company. And my point there, you know, was that it, there was nothing wrong with being mistaken as a maid because there's nothing wrong with being a maid. My problem there was if I were white, would that woman have asked the same question of me and assumed the same thing? And so it comes back to representation and what people, uh, what their default is for a, a, any group of people. And so for so long in the United States, white people have been the default. White men have been the default. And it is because of, just think about it, you have all of these uh, superheroes. And up until very recently, they were all white men. So you have generations of, of people growing up and seeing themselves a certain way and put in a certain light. And then you have uh, how, how are black people usually portrayed in media? We're usually portrayed as drug dealers, as athletes, as very specific people. We're either making money for you in some way, we're cleaning up your house, or we're stealing from you. And that is up until very recently, you know. And so um, being on the cover of a, of a business magazine, a tech magazine, as a black woman, and as not having to be Oprah or Serena or Beyonce, which were the ones who came before me on that magazine, and just as black woman who, who started something in, in business, I think was very important. And, and uh, I got to talk to a lot of people who saw themselves in that magazine cover. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. Um, I think it's a really good point to make, and I'm glad that it's resonated with people that you've heard back that it really made a difference for them. Um, also, in your book, specifically chapter 21, because I want people to read this book. It's really great. <laughs> um, you state that the industry wasn't built for us and that a diverse team creates the most useful products. Um can you elaborate on that and how a homogenous VC profile might derail this? Yeah, if, if anyone's not super familiar with the venture capital space or that world, you know, it, the, it, it's not so much that it's important what these handful of people uh, end up doing. It's that they affect so many others. So the, this capital that is supposed to be this innovative capital that goes in at the earliest stages and 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 carries and goes with a company uh, until they are ready for the world, ready for that IPO or some sort of uh, acquisition that makes them uh, makes it possible for them to be gl global. And that that capital, that venture capital, usually in the past has gone to mostly white men. Again, that's the that's the prevailing theme here. So ninety percent of venture capital goes to white men in the United States, and they make up almost they make up about a third of the country. So the the numbers just don't work. And we all all of us have ha worked with someone. We are someone who is a woman, a person of color, LGBTQ, etc. And we know that that there's not much difference between what they can do and what a, what a white man can do. But somehow, someone along the lines decided that 90% of the funding was going to go to them. So it's just a matter of just evening out the playing field, if nothing else. I mean, I, I've talked about this subject for almost a decade, and and it and it st people are still sort of needing to be convinced that uh, uh, diversity begets uh, creativity, and 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 that 
turns into profit. And, you know, you can read all of those all of those think pieces. You can read about all this data and the stats because they're there. You can see, look at history to see that uh, if you just look at any movie that came out in the last five years that w- had a lead that was a black person, uh, a Latinx person, a woman, et cetera, uh, that just blew everyone away. People were so excited and, and, and couldn't believe Black Panther did what it did. Couldn't believe crazy rich Asians did what it did. Couldn't believe uh, Marvel, Captain Marvel did what it did. Well, we knew, right? So I, I don't know if it's so much about convincing people uh, of that it's that it's more lucrative, which it is. It's more about leveling the playing field. There are a third of the population in the United States approximately is is white men. They get 90% of funding. It doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's interesting. I had um, an interview a while back um, with a with a co-founder of a company. Um, actually, it was Lindsay Kaplan with Chief. And one of the things that she had pointed out that is the secret sauce to her success with her company is actually her diversity of hires. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so like blown away how people don't see how much bias really inherently can be in a company or in a system or how you sell or how you grow and scale if you just go down one road all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's probably going to be a conversation that happens for, you know, the next several years, unfortunately, but um, and I say, unfortunately, not because we shouldn't talk about it, but because it's like, I just think it's so in our faces and it has been for a while, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy for the rest of the, of the, you know, for them to catch up to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to switch a little bit towards the conversation around company culture, cause I, I know a lot of the listeners of this show, um, kind of, uh, dial in for that. Um, who is corporate America excluding when they expect the same work patterns from every employee? Now, I know I'm, I know I'm shifting, but Backstage mm-hmm. Capital is a company, and um, you in your book were very clear about what your expectations are for the people who work for you, mm-hmm. and you understand, uh, especially now during this pandemic, what that really means. So yeah. Um, could you yeah. share with us that? I mean, you're you're excluding um, you're excluding anyone who <laughs> you're excluding uh, introverts, which is includes white men, but they they may have to hide that. So we can start there if that helps anybody. You're excluding parents of newborns, especially women who, by and large, take on that. Uh, uh, they don't take it all the time all, themselves, but most of the time, by and large, they take it on that uh, that that. Uh, not burden, but you know, that uh, responsibility. So backstage, we have just a few people. Uh, it's a very small company. We've been up to 44 total when it comes to freelance and, and, and part-timers and full-timers. Now we're down to less than 10, but uh, to our two partners. So I'm a, I'm a managing partner. Christy Pitts is a partner and Brittany Davis is a partner. Christy had her first baby in January of 2020. Uh, and took, I think, six or seven months off, uh, maybe six months, um, to, to uh, very happily and very excited that she did. And Brittany had her first baby in July, I believe, something like that. And she took uh, several months off, too. And so um, we, we had to immediately 
you know, I it wasn't that we didn't already have this in place because we, we always had something in place for, for parents, but it was very much in our face, you know, last year. And there was never a question. Those parents were going to get as long as they needed and they were always going to have a job coming back to them. Uh, they were going to get the support that they needed and asked for, and we were going to be very happy to do so. And by the same token, uh, if somebody had said, you know, I, I want to be kept up to date, I want to be able to do that, we did that. So uh, someone wanted to have a bulletin board because while they were going to be very busy on, mater- on maternity leave, they didn't want to miss out on some of the fun uh, and the inspiration that comes from working at Backstage. So we made a very passive bulletin board for them so that when they wanted to, they could check on it and see what's going on at Backstage. And when they weren't, they could clock out and not be part of it. And I just think, like, thinking through those things, even as someone who has not ever had a child, I think that's what you have to do as a leader. You have to go outside of your comfort zone and outside of what is only specific to you. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's really hard um, to find work-life balance. I, I actually don't even really like that term because I feel like it's so overused and I don't think people really understand how nuanced it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really amazing that you were able to find the nuance for new mothers, even though that wasn't something that came from your personal experience. That's, that's really amazing. Um, it, it makes me want to lean in a little bit on that buzz term uh, <laughs> of hustle porn, which was in another one of your chapters. Um, can I just um, ask, like, you know, you, you used that particular example of how you're walking the talk at Backstage Capital, but, you know, there's a lot of people who are emerging as leaders, you know, they're trying to innovate and, and do different things. Is there advice that you would give them so that they can lead where they are at whatever stage they're at. Well, I, I was, I was, it just dawned on me that, you know, I, I tell that story and it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to talk about because it's, it's, I'm so proud of it, but Hey, make no mistake. It's It's paying off, you know, like Christy and Brittany came back all, all, uh, uh, gears, you know, like, yeah, like energized, like they mm-hmm. are back, not just energized, but just all in on backstage. And they are incredible assets to this company. So if I hadn't gotten creative and I hadn't been uh, strategic and I hadn't given it a second thought, I could have lost them. Um, no matter how much they like me as a person, I could have lost them to better wages, to a better uh, you know, more something else that, but because we've made things, what we've, what we've made up for and, and the lack of capital, you know, being able to pay people crazy amounts, we've made up for in just incredibly flexible, uh, schedules and, and just really, really thinking about the person first and making it what you want it to be. So it's hard to differentiate, uh, anybody else from me and what I'm able to do at the company because I kind of like, well, if I can take off when I need to, they can take off when they need to, right? That is all coming back to backstage. So, it, you know, there we could probably, you know, go on for hours about the, the what. What do you do? What are some interesting things to do? But the idea of just saying, the idea of knowing that you need to do that is can kind of open up a lot of opportunities. Knowing that it, it, it pays off. Like they're they're coming back and they're 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 worth, you know, ten x the the what they 
what I give to them, they give me 10x back. They must be so productive now. I, I feel like when you step away from the work, um, ideas have an opportunity to incubate and grow. And um, it, um, I've, I bet it was pretty interesting when they returned. Uh, I bet you they had a lot of ideas to, to bring to the table. They probably didn't just hit the ground running where they left off. I bet you it was a, they, Christy yeah. was different, for example. Yeah. And if, I mean, you know, they, they were working while they were off so that it was a full-time job being a new mother. Um, and so they they were in, their minds were engaged in a different way, but that gave them that space. I know from both of them, it gave them that space to have, like you say, these creative thoughts to come back with, and then to to figure out how to implement while they're back. And that's that's another reason why you know why we say, you know, if you need to take a week off, uh, we can talk about a paid sabbatical. We can talk about things that will again. It may not in the in the immediate seem like it's making us money. Uh, may seem like we're losing to something. Wait, wait a minute, you're going to pay them to be off? That doesn't make sense. Well, if they come back from that more energized than ever, more creative than ever, more loyal than ever, you have absolutely 10x the value of that one week off. And that's something that I, I understand is a privilege to be able to do and to make that kind of decision. You know, it's a small company. It's, it's, I, I'm, 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 but I just, I couldn't work at a company that didn't have those types of things in place ever again in my life. So um, this sort of brings me to this question. So in your book, you say you are not driven by hype recognition and money. Um, you state this along with what you're driven by, which is impact, legacy, and dignity, which you definitely are giving a lot of dignity to people who work for you. Um, can you expand on that statement and share how you're moving the needle for underrepresented and underestimated people? Yeah, I uh, a lot of the things that I say I'm not about, they're all fleeting. Money, um, fame, recognition, all of that is fleeting and it's all hype. And I know that because for 35 of my 40 years, I was poor. So I know that I know what it's like to have money and I know what it's like not to have money. And I know what I am with or without it. And the things that remain when those things are stripped of you or when those things are given to you um, in a kind of outsized way, uh, what remains is what's important because that's what you have to live with. You know, and it, it has everything to do, I think, with just growing a little bit older and, and seeing more and, and knowing that I have to be very particular about how I want to spend um, the the next, I don't know, 50 years of my life and what that's, it's it's in both ways very uh, long and very short amount of time. And so getting really focused there, I think I want to be a catalyst for people and that's what I hope to to be with backstage every day now, uh, almost every single day now, um, weekday, I, I wake up to some sort of news of, of a company of ours and our 160 plus portfolio, uh, raising a new round of funding that takes them to the next level or reaching a certain milestone with revenue or certain number of customers or certain number of employees. Um, and, and all of that is happening now in abundance. And before it was just a slog to get people to understand this. So I, I want that to be my legacy. I want catalyzing others to be my legacy and I want dignity to be my legacy because um, I know what it's like to feel very, very embarrassed and to feel like things are taken um, and, and unbalanced. 
I know what it's like to see other people that I care about in that same position. When you're poor, uh, it's not just the physical things that you lack. It's it's a certain dignity that is taken from you. And um, I want to do whatever I can to instill dignity and, 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 and pass it along. It's a very Robin Hood kind of feel. Anything that I can bring, get, I'm getting all of this attention right now, all of this abundance. And it's too much for one person. So I want to take it all in and then pass it around. And that's beautiful. I, you know, I know you have said when we win, we all win. Um, I, I don't know what Holly Shannon and Culture Factor can do for, for you, but if there's any way that I can personally help in your quest and elevating some of these voices of these people who are growing, um, please definitely reach out because I'm happy to, to, to help. Absolutely. But, um, um, I what note I wanted to end on actually, um, and I think actually it's maybe the perfect ending for our, our time together here. Your mother says the seed doesn't see the petal. Um, how do you use that to keep on your path and your goals? Yeah, uh, well, it's super helpful. It's uh, it gives me a certain confidence that I think nothing else can. Because a lot of times what stops people and has stopped me in the past from from going after something or doing something or, you know, taking a risk is a a good, healthy risk, like good trouble, you know, is like, you know, what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't what if I get a no? What if I don't get what I'm asking for that I did all that work? And now I think about it as even if I go for this and I don't get it and if I've I've made it easier for the next person to get a yes that is more than worth it. And I call it also, uh, the less eloquent way is I call it uh, loosening the pickle jar, you know, like <laughs> just a little bit, little bit lo- looser, uh, more loose for the next person. And if that's the case, and if you think about it like that, so many of us are uh, wanting to help other people and like we're, we're willing to do things for other people that we wouldn't even do for ourselves. So that's a great way of thinking about it. You're going in, you're asking for a promotion. You don't get the promotion, but maybe you made the person think a little bit different. Or maybe you you cause such a fuss that the next person who gets it has to get it. Now, of course, not everybody's going to subscribe to that. And not everybody's going to think that that's great. They're like, I want it for me. But I think the majority of us, I still believe the majority of us uh, care care as much about other people as we do ourselves. And so that is, uh, it's a big um, motivating factor for, for me, definitely. And I also would say, uh, anybody who's who's interested in, in what we do, I, please go to backstagecapital.com, check out our portfolio. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, how can I be helpful? How can I, can I invest? Or how do I do that? You know, the best way is to go to our portfolio and just check out a couple of companies that you want to be a, a, a customer of, whether that's consumer or B2B. But because we have 160 plus and most of them are on our website and they're fantastic. So that's a really great way of supporting. Oh, I love that. I'm going to put in the show notes, um, the link to backstage capital so people can explore that and see how they can support, um, you know, different companies that are, that were underrepresented and underestimated, but now under your wing, they no longer are. So, um, just keep paying it forward that way. I really like that a lot. And your book, it's about damn time is amazing. It's bestseller, Mm -hmm. uh, is number one on Amazon. 
It was oh, well. I wish you were number one on Amazon. It was number one in the venture capital section, which is it's pretty pretty hard to do. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah. get to number one on Amazon eventually too. Yeah, you absolutely will. Such a great book. Um, I'll put the link there as well so that uh, people can pick that up. And I want to thank you, Arlen, for coming on because I know that you have a, a lot of people that you take care of. And I'm so glad that you parked a little bit of time with, with Holly Shannon and Culture Factor today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.